Hey friends, today's guest is a guy named Wallace J. Nichols, and he's a dude that I've been following for some time now. I first heard him a couple years ago on Ben Greenfield's show. He wrote a book called Blue Mind, and it's all about the ways we can enhance our quality of life and what water does to us on a physiological and psychological level. He's absolutely amazing. I know you guys are going to dig this one. And also, a quick note on our sponsors. They are absolutely crucial to the success of this show. We have a lot of costs getting out there, traveling around to our guests, and you really can help the show by checking out what these sponsors have to offer. And today, we have a new sponsor. It is called Mind Bullet from my dude, Mark Bell. And it is absolutely one of the greatest things I've ever added to my life. It is an all-natural plant-based pre-workout, pre-work supplement that's a perfect Kickstarter for CEOs, entrepreneurs, athletes, or students who want to own the day. Mind Bullet can help boost your energy, help focus, and increase your creativity. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, it's backed by real people and real studies, been featured on CNN and the Rolling Stone magazine. It enhances mood with an uplifting effect. There is a euphoria. It elevates energy and increases focus. It's just an incredible product. And this works synergistically with any other nootropics or things that you might be taking. It is phenomenal. I take this stuff every single day. I take usually one. I like to microdose it. I don't take the full dose of two capsules, but I'll take one first thing in the morning and then another one early afternoon. It's absolutely incredible stuff. It helps relieve pain. I've had some old jujitsu injuries that have been quite nagging. And it also helps keep me elevated without being cracked out, which I've I've started to notice from going to the paint a little too hard with coffee. So this is a balanced approach. It really helps me in all ways. And you can go to mindbullet.com forward slash Kingsboo. That's my like my Instagram handle, K-I-N-G-S-B-U, for 20% off everything in the store. That's K-I-N-G-S-B-U at checkout for 20% off from mindbullet.com. You will not make a mistake by ordering this. It is one of the greatest things I've ever added into the arsenal. And there's another great product that I use absolutely religiously. It is the best CBD that I've ever come across. It's from a company called Wabe. And they source 100% organic USDA certified hemp in a farm from Colorado. They make the best tasting CBD. In fact, my son's taken it before when he had a hand injury. I've taken it before because Lord knows I've had hand injuries. And I take it all the time for general aches and pains and dealing with systemic inflammation. It helps me sleep better at night. It is something that I think should be in everyone's household. Go to waayb.com, use code word Kyle at checkout for 10% off. And as always, head to onit.com slash Kyle and you'll get 10% off all foods and supplements. Thanks for tuning in, guys, and let me know what you think of this episode. All right, we're clapped in. All right, <laughs> it's real. It's on. I love it. I first heard about you, I think, on Ben Greenfield's fitness podcast. Yeah, that's right. And it was right when your book came out, Blue Mind. And um, you were talking about some of the science behind it. And I was I was really blown away. So I got the book and that blew me away even further. Yeah. I want to take a deep dive into that and, yeah. and obviously get into what you're what you're working on now. But as I do with nearly every guest, I want to get some background on you. So sure. let's talk about growing up on the East Coast and what got you to move out West and drew you to the water. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I grew up, I was born in New York City. Um, I say like a lot of people had a childhood that, you know, there's a lot of water around there. There are pools, there's, there's the East, you know, the, the beaches on the East coast, lakes, rivers. And I felt my best, you know, whenever I was in the water, whenever I was near the water, uh, I was adopted and, uh, that brings a little baggage with it. Maybe a little confusion, a little searching, a little unknown. Uh, I'm not going to psychoanalyze myself right here, right now, but maybe that was part of it. I stuttered, uh, 
So in the water, nobody talked to me. Nobody, I didn't have to answer any questions. So I was pretty happy. Uh, if you're underwater, you don't have to talk. You, you can just be. Yeah, you're in your and, own world. Yeah, it's like, a, you know, a uh, place to explore. And and uh, so I liked the way I felt when I was near in, on, or underwater. And I realized that I wanted my, whatever my job was, to take me to the water professionally so that I could sustain this, not just on vacation, but as, as a lifestyle. And so I ended up, you know, going into marine biology, uh, got my, my undergrad, my master's, my PhD, studying sea turtles, spent a little time uh, and traveling around, tracking turtles, studying their DNA, looking at what they eat, helping to save them and you know, bring them back from extinction, uh, from the brink of extinction. And uh, so that satisfied my, my desire to be in the water a lot. Uh, but I, I always wondered, like what, so what is that thing, that, that feeling that felt so good as a kid that basically hijacked my life, my career, is the pursuit of that feeling. And I noticed that in other people who, you know, whether they're pro surfers or lifeguards, fellow marine biologists, people who gravitate to the water in lots of ways. Uh, so I was curious about that feeling, the science of it, and went looking for a book about it. Uh, and I couldn't find one. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, like tends to happen when you, when there's a vacuum that you see needs to be filled and nobody seems to be feeling it. Sometimes you feel compelled to be the person to step in and do it, whatever it is in whatever realm. And so in this case, I, I tried to get some other people uh, to write this book that I wrote and I failed at that. So it just came back to me. I pitched it to a guy named Oliver Sacks, who's a great neurologist, also from New York. Uh, and when I pitched to him, he said, that's a, that's a fine idea. You do it. And he was a pretty heavy guy, uh, big intellect, powerful mind, and a great writer and a water lover. So I thought, this is the guy to write the book. And then he just threw it right back at me and I said, oh shit, I'm going to have to do this. So it took five years and uh, wrote this book called Blue Mind that you referred to. And uh, it's just interesting. That's sometimes how, how life goes. I thought I was going to study sea turtles to the, to the very end, you know, and retire uh, as an old sea turtle biologist. And this other sort of turn came along and, and uh and here we are <laughs> <laughs> there's um there's a quote i'm sure you you know i know you guys have met at least uh we met for the first time at our good buddy kyle Tierman's spot yeah. he had a hosted a dinner and there was a, many people that i that i it was like a kid in a candy store i mean dr jim <laughs> fadiman was there yeah. and and um oh man bruce uh what's the guy's name bruce Bruce Damer. Damer. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> Dr. Yeah. Bruce Damer. I was like, man, he showed up in a Burning Man outfit. I was yeah, like, totally. Dude, this guy's a legend. But so many people. And of course, yeah. you were there and we got to hang and chat for a minute. Um, it's 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 cool to see like those how many people were each experts in their own field mm -hmm. and the ways like a lot of the people that were there have kind of pulled back. 
layers to look at things from up above right. and see things and connect dots that have not been connected before. Yeah. And that was something that I noticed from a lot of people. But one of the guys who was there, Dr. Chris Ryan, who I'm a huge fan of and friend now, uh, we were just hunting out in Hawaii not long ago. He said, you don't write a book about the thing you know. You write a book about the thing you want to know, right? right? So you, that there's a lot of learning in the process of writing a book. What were some of the things that you discovered as you were getting into this? You know, one of the immediately discovered that the realm of neuropsychology is just utterly amazing. And we are so lucky to be alive in this time where we're all, if we're paying attention, learning about ourselves, our own brains, almost on a weekly basis. There are, uh, I use the word revolutionary and I don't use, use that mildly, but there are revolutionary breakthroughs into how our own brains work and just that, you know, just starting, starting to learn. Uh, now I was, I studied economics, biology, ecology, you know, wildlife ecology, evolutionary biology. Um, I didn't have a background in, in neuroscience or psychology. So had to get up to speed in that realm. And so I attended a lot of, a lot of conferences, sat in the front row and took copious notes and listened to, listened to courses. I would, I would swim laps while listening to MIT neuroscience courses just to boost the uptake uh and had a lot to learn in order to try to write this book and uh in the process really humbling right the the science that's going on uh how little we actually know about the human brain really when it comes down to it yet this is the first generation that has a a working user's guide to our own brain to the mind wow, right? A user's guide's pretty handy. Um, we had a pretty bad one, you know, up until 10, 20 years ago. And it just keeps getting better and better every day now. Um, so fast forward 10 years, 20 years, you know, as we continue to learn about how our, our nervous system works and how it interacts with other nervous systems, how it interacts with the, the world around us, um, gives me optimism. I guess that's really at the end of the day, that's really what I come away. Uh, and that, maybe that was a little surprising. I, th I mm. thought I would find optimism about the natural world from other places other than brain science, you know, um, but that that's, that's where I found it. Yeah. Yeah. I think like getting in, I think when I, when I retired from fighting, one of the things that I was searching for was, you know, as, as everybody is the magic bullet, like what is the magic pill, the yeah. magic thing that, that does the best. And of course there's this term that gets thrown around loosely biohacking. And, and yeah. it's funny because the best hacks hack something that has to do with nature. They yeah. hack some way that we mm -hmm. used to live in our, in our, that's, that's far removed from our modern day era. Yeah. And um, when I was reading your book, that was one of the things that blew me away. And it was just like, Oh, but of course, so obvious. Of, of, of course, yeah. right? Of course, that <laughs> makes sense. Of course, trees give off pheromones, right. and then now they're yeah. talking about uh, what's that term, Ryan? We just we just did a thing on it about it. It's um, forest bathing. Forest bathing, right? <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like we right. used to live that uh, we way. We used to walk, know, like, take walks yeah, in the woods, or take, go hunting in in the forest. Uh -huh. and, yeah, and, yeah. Well, and interestingly, we call, we're calling it forest bathing, right? So yeah. the, the second part, the first part is forest. The second part is aquatic. And so it even comes back to water metaphorically, even when we're talking about trees and plants, 
we're still using a water reference, a bathing reference. And what is it? So what is it about? I mean, water is powerful metaphorically, symbolically, but it literally as well. And that that's often left out. It's interesting that a lot of the a lot of the mindfulness work uses strong water metaphors. Uh, our language uses a lot of water metaphors. Uh, the cover of books about positive psychology and and mindfulness practice have water on the cover. But you go flipping through the book and you find very little mention of actual water, real water. And that's kind of what I, I wanted to do is say, you know, it's not just a powerful metaphor. It's not just forest bathing, you know, metaf- the water metaphors is useful there. It's the water itself. Like, get in the water. Like I wrote this whole book, 300 pages of nonfiction. And the last page, I remember sitting there thinking, what do I really want to say? What, what, what is this? We've got one, maybe two sentences left. You know, it's like the last sentence of your book, you want it to be a home run. And so I remember writing, all I really want to say is this, dot, dot, dot. And I just sat there and stared at the screen. And I was like, what, what do I really want to say? And I wrote, get in the water. That's all I really want to say is get your ass in the water. Just wherever you are, whenever you need it, get in the water. That might be your shower. It might be a bathtub. It might be a cold plunge. It might be some icy cold water. It might be a hot tub. It could be a lake, a river, an ocean, a pool, um, Pacific Ocean, right out the window. Uh, but just get in the water. Like whatever's messing with you, I promise you it will be at least a little bit better. If it's, is it an injury that you sustained you know, in a fight, uh, in a game, an injury, a, a mental, a moral injury, get in the water. I promise you it will help you at least a little bit and maybe an awful lot. Uh, and so... Like you said, so simple, so like nothing new. And this is an idea that's thousands of years old. You find it in all the ancient texts, all the ancient spiritual texts have at their core water, all of them. You know, the 23rd Psalm in the Bible, that's, uh, you know, a, an often quoted one basically says, when the shit's hitting the fan, get your butt in the water, get down to the, down to the creek. Mm-hmm. Uh, I paraphrase that slightly, but uh, <laughs> you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. That's red mind. That's like, that's a bad day. The valley of the shadow of death, you've been there. You're like, man, this can't get any worse. Um, that's red mind. And what is the deity saying? Get to the water, it'll help. Get to the river, sit down by the river and just chill. So that's blue mind, right? That's basically, you know, ancient text that says, having a bad day, you know, your, your head is full of red mind before you end up in what I call gray mind, which is burnout, which is useless. Get down to the water, you know, it'll, it'll soothe your soul. And indeed, that's the way it works. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know that you, you're, I mean, you're, as familiar with the red mind mode as as anyone and gray right? mind too and gray mind oh yeah you know? the I mean, burnout i remember yeah. the right when i got 
hired it on it. I wanted to be a good employee and let everybody know how hard a worker I was yep. and just ran my fucking ass in the ground. Yep. You know, modafinil every day, half half a, a pot of coffee each day. Yep. Go, go, go. No rest. Yep. And, you know, there was a thing, I remember you saying this because, um, as you know, this being an author or anybody who's an influencer, even if you're not an influencer and you start to learn shit that maybe your family doesn't know, you always get criticism, right? Yeah, so sure. I, I know one of the things that you've gotten is excuses on how they can't get to the ocean, right? Yeah. Well, must be nice, but I yeah. live in Iowa. And, right. and one of the ways that you reframe that for people is that anything can be your body of water. So right. what is your water, right? right? Ask that question. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's something that was really cool for me because I felt, I mean, I, I grew up in the Bay Area, not far from where you live now, and always had access, right. you know, whether it was Half Moon Bay or Santa Cruz or even coming down here to Carmel and, um, you know, kind of landing in the center of the country in Texas. I was like, shit, man, <laughs> I'm not by the ocean anymore. Yeah. It's a four hour drive to the Gulf. <laughs> yeah. And um, the second I was able to, to perceive it differently, I realized like, oh, Lady Bird Lake, right. that lake is my water. And I throw the Frisbee there with my son and we yeah. even get in. It's not the cleanest source of water, yeah. but still, I mean, just being by it yeah. and seeing all the green and seeing that water flowing through, it, it's really a powerful way to connect and quiet the mind. And Absolutely. start to recharge and build back within whatever it is that I've been exhausting that drove yeah. me to gray mind in the first place. And you feel it. You get you get to the water, even if it's just to see it and throw a frisbee without getting in it or on it. And you just you you feel better almost instantly. And and that interaction with the people you love is better for some reason. The conversations are better. So you connect to yourself, you connect to each other, and you connect to our little water planet that we call home. It's all good, right? Um, but Gray Mind, you know, that the WHO, the World Health Organization, this month declared uh, workplace burnout um, an issue. You know, they they just they named it. They said this is this is a big problem that we we want to give it a give it a call out. We want to name it, you know, burnout, workplace burnout. Um, this is an epidemic. You know, we're, we're seeing people really hit that wall. Uh, you know, gray mind is the ashes of red mind. So if you sustain that red mind through whatever means that you just keep grinding and grinding and, and caffeinating and medicating and not sleeping and pumping yourself up, you will burn out. And gray mind is the ashes that's, that's left. And, uh, where you just don't kind of don't care and you, you your your ability to perform and be the person you were trying to be you know isn't there uh nothing in the tank um and so this is a problem you know both anxiety and stress but also you know depression mild and and severe you know this burnout thing uh and it's creeping kind of from being an adult thing, you know, to being a college student thing, to being a high school student thing, now creeping into middle school age kids are, you know, experiencing anxiety, stress, and burnout. It's like, wow, that's, what are we doing, you know? And what are we gonna do about it? And so I have one little answer, just get in the water <laughs> as much <laughs> as you can. Get, take your kids, get in the water, take your phone and stick it in the glove box or leave it at home. And don't bring it and just go and have screen free, you know, peace of mind. Uh, and 
and you know feel it all you know let let the water kind of kind of touch every part of your body and you know, if it's cold you know lake austin can be pretty darn cold even in the summertime you know up, up by the up by the dam jump in like feel the cold you know just embrace it in the wintertime go to barton springs jump in swim some laps feel the cold uh you know it doesn't need to be right around that perfect temperature year round and the way our modern lives we regulate the air temperature in our buildings and we regulate the water temperature in our pools and we regulate the temperature in our cars so we kind of move from that perfect temperature to the perfect temperature to the perfect temperature and pretty soon you get kind of mushy and uh don't even realize it that you haven't felt an extreme you know of anything in a long time and i I think water is a good way to shock your system and 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 feel alive like like that it's instant you know um so whether it's you know red mind or gray mind you know pulling pulling yourself into that blue mind mode uh regularly i would say daily if you can but uh and wherever you are you, you find it so you know if you you can reframe Austin as probably the blue mine capital of the world if you wanted to. You got float tanks, you got uh, wave park. You can go surf. It's a pretty damn uh, good wave park too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> I surfed opening week there, and uh, it's like, look, as long as you don't compare, try to compare this to an ocean, mm-hmm. you compare it to itself. It is what it is. Right? It's a freshwater wave, uh, in you know, basically in the in the hills outside of Austin like we're in the flats so go out there and it is what it is and enjoy it smile you know experience joy um get a you know some paddling in and um but you know it's austin's full of great water and and i think that's the case wherever you go uh you know i did my phd in tucson and uh we would go on long hikes and search just for spring and you get after a long hot hike in the deserts and then into the mountains you get to that spring and it's like it's as epic as the pacific ocean this little little source of water it's like your best friend <laughs> and it's <laughs> it's awesome to jump in it and so wherever you are even the desert you know you still find your blue mind yeah yeah, yeah. i was I, i'm thinking back now since uh i saw the arizona plates out front <laughs> And uh, you, so you went to U of A for the yep. PhD. I went to Arizona State. And don't worry, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> I no longer feel a rivalry far enough removed from from yeah. ASU football for that. But um, I'm sure that just pissed off a lot of a lot of Sun Devils for me saying that. But um, uh, well, we could fight it out right here, and I, and I would lose. So I mean, I would, <laughs> we went to um, we would go to oh, man, I thought, I'm forgetting the name of the river, but we'd go floating on this river. So long ago, you go inner tubing at the salt, maybe yeah, salt, yeah, river. Yeah, yeah. salt river, yeah. And it was, and it was like, you know, it was drunken debauchery. Yeah. College, you, you think of any like silly movie from the 80s, like right. those types of shenanigans, yeah. But it was like some of the most peaceful times of my life, peaceful, just like, drunken debauchery, yeah. Like, yeah. like when the dust settles and you're tired of talking shit to your, your friends, yeah. and, and there's just a moment of silence for yeah. 30 seconds to two minutes, yeah. like that's like the instant drop in like yep. oh shit you know and, and going through them you know you see all these giant cliffs yeah. and just oh, yeah. the beauty of arizona yeah it's a very special place i mean even that it's a you know that's a case in point you you can sit in a bar with music may not be your choice a lot of loud voices a lot of visual stimulation and you can do some drinking with your friends and it's fun 
take exactly the same thing, get an inner tube in a river and do it. And it's not just fun, it can be transcendent. Like exactly the same group of people, the same good or not so good beer <laughs> and the same conversations. And you just stick it on a river and it's gonna be, it's gonna be better. It's, it's gonna be better every time. Um, you know, I always say, you know, balloons are cool. Water balloons are really fun. Slides are great. Water slides, next level. You can go right on down the list. So drinking in a bar is fine. Drinking out on a river, it's better. It's just better. And so you, you add water to any situation. Uh, it's more romantic, right? It's just hanging out, having a conversation with your, your sweetheart, hanging out, having a conversation by the water with your sweetheart. It's just better. So something that the water does for us and with us and to us that is worth naming, um, cherishing, talking about teaching and protecting. That's kind of the, the end of the day. That's, that's kind of my, my key motivator is that we, when we understand that these lakes, rivers, oceans, pools, creeks, springs are giving us uh, so much more than the ecological and economic benefits giving us these deep emotional benefits, emotional, spiritual benefits. And maybe we'll do a lot more, you know, to, to take care of those places. And I think it's true. Um, that's the big experiment that we're, we're conducting here with this blue mind idea. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's something you don't necessarily, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think about it, but that's something that came up quite a bit when I was doing, so I went on this hunting trip with, with T-Man and, and, uh, Chris Ryan and Ben Greenfield and Dr. Peter Atia. And it was like everyone there was somebody I either knew or wanted to know Yeah, and really cool people. But um, when I was thinking my hunter safety course, they were talking about how you are uh, a conservationist and environmentalist. Like you mm-hmm. are trying to preserve the land you wish to hunt on. Yeah. And that was embedded into the learning mm-hmm. almost as much as which gauge to use in the shotgun for which type of fowl you were mm-hmm. going to hunt. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, it was that in depth. And that's something that I remember talking to my uncles about because, you know, that's um, they had hunted since I was a little boy and I'd been on a couple of trips with them, but didn't participate. It was more like camping for me. Mm-hmm. But being out in nature with them um, was always really special to me. But that was something they would talk about quite a bit was like yeah. making sure we have lands to hunt on right. and how important that is to them. And it's not necessarily, you know, from a, an outsider looking in, I wouldn't necessarily think like hunters give a shit about the earth, yeah. but it that tends to be the case, you know? So that consciousness aspect of if you can get people to fall in love with the water, they'll fucking Mm. care if there's an oil spill. They'll care if people are dumping shit into the water, you know? Yeah. I think you can say, you you can see the same sort of thing with whether it's, um, fishers, hunters, surfers, you're in, if you're in contact with it, if you're, if you're out there and your life depends on your relationship with nature, then that generally will create a deeper level of respect. Certainly there are, you know, butthead, asshole, surfers, hunters, fishers who don't give a damn. They just want to get theirs and they don't care who they cut off or, or, or you know, what they destroy. And of course, right, there's, there's sociopaths and psychopaths in every industry and in every, every sector and every realm um, that give, you know, everyone else is kind of a bad name. But, um, you know, I think, I mean, I 
one of my greatest fears is that there's a generation that's their experience of nature is simply beautiful films. Yeah. All these specials on Netflix we were talking about yeah, before the show. I mean, they're great, and they <laughs> but they're they're they work when they map onto real life experiences, real yeah. reality, not just virtual reality. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm not an anti-film. I think films are great. I think photography and art is great to compel people and keep them motivated. But uh, it's usually a personal experience, a fully immersive personal experience that flips your switch right we just need to bring david attenborough on the hunting trip yeah so. right yeah, exactly <laughs> the existed yeah, yeah. that would be Formally fun from actually India. Yeah, i'd like to bring him i'd like to bring him anywhere yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and just have him narrate what was going on <laughs> like dinner <laughs> yeah uh. bring him on a surf trip <laughs> so you 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 finished up in arizona and you came out west yeah at right after i uh yeah did my phd at did a master's degree at Duke University in North Carolina in, in economics and PhD at University of Arizona. Spent a lot of time in Mexico. So, I, you know, I, my Mexican colleagues would consider me, you know, honor, an honorary Mexican. Um, speak fluent Spanish. Did a lot of my field research in, in Baja, California, Mexico, uh, El Salvador, Costa Rica, um, and uh, studying sea turtles. And, um, and then kind of, Decided West Coast, stick stick with the West Coast. And my wife's from here, from California, so kind of gave her the. After I was dragging her around a few places, I said, "You, where are you going to drag us? Your turn. You pick." And she picked here, so here we are. Yeah, yeah it is absolutely incredible here. It's pretty good. I'm not complaining at all. <laughs> we got a view right out of the window of uh, one of my favorite beaches here, Carmel by the Sea, and yeah, uh, yeah it's. It's Pretty definitely hard. incredible. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I want to dip back into your book, Blue Mind, before we start talking about the next one. Yeah. Um, one of the things that, that blew me away, and you, you touched on this a little bit just by playing at Lady Bird Lake and not actually getting in the water, is this, this change that happens on a, on a subconscious level mm -hmm. or maybe even a physical change that happens within the neurochemistry just from seeing water. Right. Um, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So I think the, let's just go way back. So if, if you're you're an animal and yeah, you're a mammal, you're a big mammal, let's just go with that as we are. And you cannot position yourself correctly relative to a source of water. You're dead. Right? That's just sort of evolution 101. You're if you can't perceive, find, perceive, and then locate yourself relative to a useful source of water. Um, you're not going to make it very far, no matter what you are, a fox, a human, monkey. Um, so that we have this uh, aesthetic appreciation for the sound and the sight of water it makes perfect sense from a really deep, sort of primal perspective. Uh, that we consider this view from where we're sitting beautiful is a remnant of that survival instinct, I think. Uh, it's hard to hard to study this stuff because you can't go back and, and do experiments. But the idea that water triggers this feel-good flood of, of neurochemistry is highly adaptive to, to, to survival. If you don't get it right, 
uh, you're dehydrated. If you're dehydrated too long, you're toast, literally in less than a week. And that's, that's you know, not news to anyone who's ever been, at, been in those extreme uh, circumstances. Uh, and it's a horrific way to, to go. Uh, so that we are, are good at um, responding when we hear the sound of water or when we see a, the reflection of water and then we move towards it and then we make our home in the right spot relative to that water safely um, is not really a surprise. So now fast forward, modern humans, you're never more than, let's just say 50 steps throughout most of your life. You're never more than 50 steps from a knob you can turn from which water emits. That's the modern human life. You're never far away from water. Yeah, not a big one point six gallons. Yeah, right. Time. Yeah, exactly. Just so, for, for urine. So where we're sitting <laughs> right now, like there's there's probably three right out the door here. There's three knobs you could turn, and water would come out through that door. There's a couple more through that door. This is the bathroom. There's a couple more through that door. There's about four or five more. So just where we're sitting, we're surrounded by almost at least a dozen, almost twenty knobs that you can turn, and the water would come out, and yeah, I could probably find them with my eyes closed. So that's our modern lifestyle. But we carry this, this memory, you could say, this ability to feel good uh, when, when water is around. So I, I've done a, this very simple experiment I'll do. If I have a room that I'm speaking to, say a thousand people giving a keynote, I say, my team has locked the doors and taken away all the water bottles and you'll get some water in five hours. And then I'll just be quiet for a second. Then I'll say, did you feel that? Did your mouth just get dry? And yours probably did. <laughs> if you're listening right now, your mouth probably got dry. You know that I didn't lock the door. You know I didn't take the bottle away because it's probably still under your chair. But just the mere suggestion of the lack of water for five hours, your body responds and it doesn't waste water on saliva. It starts conserving water. Right. So this is a pretty, pretty deep, instinctive connection to water. Water is the basis of life. And so in our modern lives, we, we kind of use that in, sometimes it's used in marketing to sell you, say, Corona beer, like all those water images. It's used, uh, the Nesty Plunge or, you know, um, you know, Mountain Dew ads or whatever it is. It's sort of magazine articles for travel. Uh, it's just everywhere, but it it kind of the image of water hijacks this this deep sort of primal connection that we have to uh, survive by the water. Um, so in in the modern usage of blue mind therapeutically, it gets pretty interesting. So if if the sight of water, the sound of water can calm us, and it and it does, then how can we use that? as a, a healing modality for a generation of red-minded people. How can we you know, leverage this, this response, this mammalian response to water, this reflexive response to water that, that all mammals have and use that as a, as, a, as a hack, I guess you could call it, or as a force for good uh, to, to help people heal, but also help us there in, in response, uh, heal our own planet. Uh, and that's kind of the, the the dynamic that we're in right now with with Blue Mind, and uh, 
So what happens is, well, so let's start with red mind. When you're in red mind mode, you know, fight or flight or freeze. That's the, you know, kind of the cliche. Uh, that's red mind. You feel like the back is against the wall and it's time to, you know, come out strong. Um, very useful. Red mind is very useful. We need it to survive. We need it to get to the finish line. We need it to meet our deadlines. We need it to compete, right? Red mind's really useful. Um, but it's, it's, uh, there's adrenaline, there's cortisol. So your stress hormones go up and, and you get, you know, activated. You get, you're, you're very attentive in a, in a heightened state, extremely useful. But if that's maintained or you try to sustain that too long, as we talked about earlier, burnout, gray mind will come in. And so understanding blue mind is, you know, really useful to start with red mind and the desire to avoid gray mind. And so start to peel away the things that are causing red mind screens, the, uh, the all the noises, maybe it's a motorcycle going by, maybe it's a jackhammer outside your window, um, maybe it's, it's deadlines, it's the thing buzzing in your pocket telling you there are things that you should be doing. Um, start peeling those things away. The auditory overstimulation, the visual overstimulation, the somatic overstimulation start peeling those away. And that happens when you step up to the water. Visually, it's simplified. Right? Auditorily, if there's water lapping on the beach, it's simplified. So you start getting the bandwidth back. You get in the water and you float. And now all of a sudden your brain is not coordinating the 200 muscles that it's doing right now. So you give that, you get that bandwidth back. That's a lot of bandwidth. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do with it? You don't just turn off. You don't just go into standby mode you do move into a different mode that we call blue mind or the default mode, which turns out to be very creative. Um, it, you, you enter in this sense of oneness, more connected. Um, some people call it the zone, they call it flow, lots of names that we use for it, but it's really useful and it's restorative. It's connective to the people that you may be with. Sorry, should have done that earlier. And it turns out it's a spam call. Scam likely. That's, yeah, the, that's scam my, likely. my good buddy that calls me often throughout the day. Scam likely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of the, you know, the, the dynamic um, in sort of like a long carve through our evolutionary history. You know, of course, we forget it, but we all spent 9.21 months underwater in the dark, hanging out in our own private ocean called Mom more or less 9.21 months we all had that experience we don't remember much about it but it's part of us like it's it's in there i have a, a neuroscience a neuropsychiatrist friend whose next book is about the that those nine months but you know our our um our sensory experience and the development of our nervous system during the first nine months of life which we don't think about too much we don't talk about it but that that's a chunk of time that you were you Right? And you lived entirely underwater in the dark in your own personal you know, float tank. And uh, there's something to that. There's got to be. And that's, that's where, where your, your nervous system formed. And that's where you started to develop, started to become you. And, uh, and so when we get into these, these environments that, that hint at that, you know, warm, calm, safe water uh, at night, you know, warm ocean, a warm lake at night, or uh, a float spa, 
you know, float tank, sensory deprivation tank, uh, warm water, salty, buoyant, dark, quiet. Uh, you start to kind of get into these deeper, deeper states and where, where very different things happen. Uh, we access those states, you know, chemically as well. Um, but I think the, I think standing by the ocean and just letting it trip you out and giving it, giving you a blue high, uh, or diving under a lake or underwater, going into a float tank, um, produces a sim very similar kind of, uh, transcendent, uh, experience where you, you feel, um, these insights, you, you, you experience these insights that it's harder to do. And in, in this mode that we're in right now, you know, and in, in the active, um, processing mode, which is more of a red mind mode. Yeah. You touched on so many good things there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I love what you got, what you're talking about with flow tank flow float tanks as well, because, um, flow and float tank, I'm <laughs> combining those right now. Um, I often talk about psychedelics and altered states of consciousness. And, and one of the things that I sometimes forget to mention is that that is kind of the, the bridge between the two. Cause there's yeah. not, they're not for everyone, right. you know, like they, sure. there's plenty of people who would benefit greatly from plant medicines and plenty of people who, who really have no business working with them yet. Not right. to say that yeah. that's the case their entire life, but I feel like there are some prerequisites necessary for that. Yeah. One of which being the ability to sit with yourself. Right. Right. Because if you can't, if you're uncomfortable in your own skin and you mm -hmm. can't get quiet and meditate, it's going to be very hard when the the sea of shit is coming up and <laughs> yeah. it's being stirred up. Right. Sure. But, um, what an amazing bridge the float tank is. Yeah. So, you, you know, if you give that a try, give that a try yeah. and see how that goes. And if you're completely freaking out, uh, then, then your practice maybe starts over here and, and keep, keep giving that try, try it for 15 minutes or, or just try to sit quietly with everything off in your own living room. That might be a stretch for some people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, 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 uh, there was a book by my buddies, Brian McKenzie and Dr. Annie Galpin called unplugged. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with unplugging from, um, you know, Fitbit and different things. And I'm into gadgets and gizmos. I have a whoop watch on and yeah. I love it, but they say, take it off for a week and see how you feel. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's almost like leave your cell phone at the house and go right. for a drive and see how you feel. Like yeah. you feel fucking naked for <laughs> yeah, a minute, right. you know, maybe like lost literally that disconnect. But yeah. I think that's one of the coolest things about the float tank is that mm -hmm. it, it it deprives you of all external, right? Mm -hmm. You're in pitch dark. You can't hear anything. You obviously didn't bring your cell phone in with you. Hopefully, you know, hopefully <laughs> not. So, so I mean that that just to carve that space to create mm -hmm. space for yourself to return to stillness, I think is so important. But, um, you know, as you were talking about the float and its comparison to being in the womb, it, it, it really brought up for me, um, something that's come up in quite a few ayahuasca ceremonies. And I, I just returned, as I told you before, the, the podcast from Costa Rica, mm -hmm. where I, I did ayahuasca out at uh, Sultar and it was beautiful, mm -hmm. absolutely beautiful. One of my favorite experiences, mm -hmm. um, not on this trip, uh, but in many closing ceremonies where, where we discuss some of the things we went through, quite a few people at different points have talked about remembering not being wanted as mm. children in the womb, as far back as being in the womb, mm -hmm. feeling the energy of either their father not wanting them mm. and their mom freaking out about that, the mm. worry of I'm going to have to raise this kid by myself, mm. or both parents yeah. not wanting them yeah and and how that is imprinted yeah from birth 
right? Yeah. Like there is, we are so much more perceptible and aware yeah. than we think we are at that point in time because, well, this isn't formally de- or, you know, uh, f- completely finished and this right. isn't developed yet. And, you know, so, you know, it's just a, it's a sack mm-hmm. of cells growing. It's like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, well, well, the insights that I, I can bring to that as my, my wife and I are both adopted and uh, I've hung around people who study the, you know, the world of adoption quite a bit. And there's a, there's a deep wound that occurs if you're, you know, that if certainly in utero, if that's your experience, of, of, you know, the anticipation of not being wanted is pretty strong if, if adoption is the inevitable outcome right after birth. But then there's that first, few, you know, few months and for some few years of just being handed off and in, in limbo. And, uh, and, you know, I'd say arguably one of the more traumatic things you could do to a kid, a baby, right, it would be to just say, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna just hand you off to some strangers for a little while until we figure out what happens. You know, what what we should be doing is clinging to our mother's breast. That's what we should be doing. But when that that natural connection is, you know, precluded by cir- the circumstances, um, so maybe kind of back to where we started. My desire to be underwater, where nobody could ask me any questions, I didn't have to talk. I, from deeply connects to what you just said there. Mm. Uh, and I sometimes, I don't really like to talk about it because it makes me feel bad, but it's good to go there sometimes and in, in a safe place, uh, ceremonially or with someone you trust uh, and have those conversations and, and dig in. And, and that probably can help explain the things you do that, you know, are harder to explain maybe to your, to your partner, or to, you know, your interactions with the world. Um, but, uh, certainly that, that, um, reaching back and, and, and even not even into just in utero time, but, you know, early childhood experiences that we, uh, forget or forget on purpose and, you know, try to bury, uh, for different reasons. Um, the peace that you get, the peace of mind that you get, uh, from plant medicine or from just spending time on, you know, in retreat in nature, uh, and just getting really quiet, um, whether it's water or the forest or combination of the two that's helping you achieve that, uh, floating, free diving, uh, all these experiences people, um, embrace in order to kind of get, get to the, back to the core, you know, get back to the source, whatever name you give it. Um, and I think that's part of what, what's wrong with us right now. And the disconnect we have from each other, uh, from, from the, from nature, from the planet, uh, from our own happiness, our own joy, um, we get, you know, comes from this sense of, you know, moral injury. And, you know, we, we're just seeing things going on that are disturbing you know, relative to what we learn is right and wrong. And then we just have to deal with it and digest it and carry on and bury it and just keep burying stuff that, you know, you're going to run out of room in the landfill. Basically, yeah, there's, there's so many <laughs> options too. You know, we have in any, in any book in health and wellness that has to do with diet and nutrition, they talk about cleaning out the pantry. Yeah. Like you don't want to have Twinkies and garbage 
on site yeah. where it's easy access. It's yeah. hard enough to eat clean when you have the right foods, but don't give yourself the option, right? right. Um, and yet, when we talk about stillness and mindfulness, that requires a great deal of commitment to say no to constantly being on the phone and right. digging into social media and getting that dopamine hit from yeah. all the likes you just got from yeah. the photo in Costa Rica or right. whatever the thing is, right? Exactly. You know, it's like, it's it's almost impossible to clean out the pantry when it comes to, all right, no emails for a week. Well, yeah. you're going to come back to a landslide of, you know, hundreds of emails <laughs> if you have any kind of job that, you know, requires you to, to connect to the outside world. And I mm -hmm. think that can be really hard for people. I think where we find balance is in making it a daily practice. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that I, I really appreciate about Blue Mind is that it's not, you know, quarterly I could go to Hawaii and have sure. a hunting trip and be out there and and um, be on the ocean and it'd be absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. But that it's not going to last me a yeah. whole quarter. Yeah, maybe it, a week or two. Yeah, you kind of still it, carry that stoke mm -hmm. with you for a while, but then it, it fades and you want you want to renew it some way and yeah and uh well we you know every summer for the past six years we've done this thing we call it the blue mind challenge we do it for 100 days 100 days of blue we call it and basically is just get your blue mind on every day in some way and just be aware of it be mindful of it and it could be a glass of water could be could be a, a mindful shower it could be a jump in in the lake in austin uh, it could be just sitting here on this deck and just looking out at the ocean. Could be art, could be virtual, but every day do it and spend minutes longer if you can and just be aware of it. And you start to build new habits and those habits then stick, ideally. If you do it for a hundred days, then that just becomes your new normal. And you start thinking with your blue mind more often. And it, when you feel red mind coming on and you know, potentially gray mind coming on, you have this tool that you've developed and practiced for a hundred days that's there. Uh, and it's, you can say, hey, read the book, think about it, listen to the podcast. But if you've done the practice for a hundred days, it's gonna sink in, right? So whatever it is, whatever you're trying trying to achieve it's you you want to build new habits and there are people who say at least 21 days to build new habits some say it's a little longer we just went with 100 days because it's the whole summer from memorial day to labor day the unofficial boundaries of you know the north american summer mm. the summer vacation sort of and uh and i you know i hear from people all the time like i did it you know i missed a few days here and there but no you know no harm no foul no guilt keep moving forward and after that hundred days, they're like, I, it's, it's, it's helped me recalibrate my relationship to my water and all the different ways I can, I can experience it. Uh, and it isn't, like you said, it isn't just a saving up and waiting for that trip to Hawaii once a year or, you know, the, the big vacation or even the vacation weekend. Uh, it's figuring out how to dial it in, you know, daily in some way. And uh, your water is available. It's just, you know ask everyone I meet, what's your water? And then I listen and they have the best stories, like most beautiful stories. I mean, the water they first fell in love with, the water that's near them now. For some people, it, their water is a person. For some people, it's the water in their food. 
Uh, it's the water that's used in agriculture. Just beautiful answers. Lakes, rivers, oceans, of course, pools, uh, showers, baths. Um, so everyone's got a, a different answer. This isn't about telling people what to do. That doesn't really work very well. It's about asking the right questions, listening, and then using those answers to form the the thing that will work ultimately. Any kind of coaching, ultimately, that's that's got to be part of it. You know, any sort yeah. of training, retraining. It's ultimately, you got to figure out where people are, what they have available, and then work work with what's what's there rather than forcing a whole new new structure particularly as we get older and it gets harder and harder to make those shifts um so i like to ask that question like what's if, if anybody's listening just think about it write it down you know what's your water just really think that one through and uh when was the last time you got in it how'd it feel who first took you there who's your guide um thank them that maybe he never said thank you to the person could have been a family member a friend a, a coach a guide a teacher uh call him and say hey thanks that that water that you introduced me to it's so important thanks for 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 taking me there the first time and uh that's that's good stuff to do and get, get you know stay in touch with your water yeah yeah well, let's jump into your upcoming work yeah. because I find it fascinating. Yeah. And um, obviously there's been quite a bit written about flow in probably the last five to 10 years, yeah. mostly uh, recently, I'd say. But, um, you know, between Stephen Kotler and the rise of Superman mm-hmm. um, and then stealing fire with Stephen Kotler and right. Jamie Wheel. Jamie's a good buddy of mine out in yeah. Austin. Um, quite a bit around this, but I don't think anybody's tackled it quite the way you are. So I'd, I'd yeah. love to, to dive into this. Well, so I, you know, the flow, the concept of flow or being in the zone is, is pretty, it's gotten very familiar to people. And I, and I think anybody who's in, uh, working on, on themselves in any way, uh, as an athlete, as a performer, um, working on your mind and your body, uh, but it's a very me-focused concept. Uh, it's a very you-focused concept. It's a very ind- individual uh, approach. And what the science is beginning to look at is how we flow together. So if if I had an EEG on on my brain right now, and you had one on your brain, and we were throughout this conversation, uh, we may have started off um as just two guys that just kind of sat down but once we get into the conversation we start to get in some kind of synchrony even our, our, our breathing rates might start to pro- approximate each other our body language you cross your legs i cross my legs you uncross your legs i you know, you know those things start to start to happen they start you start to read each other uh, the micro emotions um and the more time we spend in the same place we start we get into something i call groove and when we flow together, we create a groove. So just let's go, let's use the, the water analogy or metaphor again. When, when rivers come together and flow together, they create grooves like the size of the Grand Canyon, like these majestic grooves. And that's what we want as a team. That's what we want as a family. That's what we want as a community. And arguably, that's what we want as a nation. 
we want to groove. Like we wouldn't it be great if we as a nation were in some kind of groove. Not you know, there's there's room for conflict, there's room for disagreement, but and that's all part of being on a team. But when when we've grooved as a nation, we've done some good stuff. And when we don't groove, we we beat each other up and we don't get as much done. When we groove as a family, it's you know it, right? You know, you're communicating well, you're communicating almost non-verbally. Um, maybe less less conflict, less strife, uh, more financial stability, um, more cooperation. And when when you listen to you know the music you love, when your your favorite band is really grooving and you're at the live show, you know it. You know they know it, they know you know it, everybody in the room knows it. And you're like, man, I'm glad to be here. This is magic, right? Uh, our favorite sports teams, you know, when they groove, they win. They win championships multiple years in a row when they're when they're in this groove state. So I've been trying to, you know, kind of unpack what are the ingredients that we need. I don't want to give it all away here because I want to come back. <laughs> I want to come back and talk about it. Oh yeah, more well, when, we, when, there's when, plenty <laughs> of time before. Yeah. This is the teaser trailer. Yeah, <laughs> um, but when the book comes out. Um, We'll, we'll cycle back, but, you know, I, I, I challenge people who are listening to kind of think, think for yourself, what, when you've been in groove, which is bigger than flow, it's flowing together with, with the people you work with, the people you play with, the people you perform with, uh, the people you love, what are the ingredients that were necessary to make that work? There's, a, there's of course, a level of trust. Uh, there's a level of competence, of skill, right? You practice. You know, so the Beatles, for example, like they they grooved, and they're as a result one of the greatest bands of all time. Um, they weren't those four guys weren't all the same. They had a couple replacements came, you know, an early drummer replacement. Ringo was not the first drummer, but they subbed in uh, Ringo, and and um, they didn't always get along. They fought a bit, but there was resilience. So that's a piece of it. That's one of the ingredients. Like we're we're going to stay connected. We're going to we're we're going to develop our skill set. We're going to trust each other. Um, and a good coach is probably helpful. We kind of see that in in uh, sports teams. But the coach is not the high mighty you know overlord. They're carrying some humility as well. So that's another ingredient: humility. Mm. Right? Any 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 team member knows that as soon as arrogance gets in the way then you, the trust breaks down and the groove goes away and so i you know I, I went to high school in chicago and i remember going and watching the bulls play in old chicago stadium and michael jordan would score 40 50 even 60 points in a game and they'd lose they he was in flow the team was not in groove until they got it together and so coach jackson Started, they started putting together a team. They started to play together. They started to develop trust. Right? Some humility, I think, was was involved occasionally, at least. Uh, and then they started to groove, and they started to win championship after championship over the over the course of you know, the era that they defined. And uh, it's a great thing, you know, on, on any stage, whether it's it's your your family, you know, your your partner. Um, it's just you groove when there's more than one person and, uh, 
and I th- and I think it's an idea kind of kind of like blue mind that's intuitive, like you know it, you've experienced it, you taste and smell it, you see it, you feel it when it's there, just like blue mind, but you never you didn't have a name for it exactly, and you certainly didn't learn the science of groove uh, in high school. <laughs> you didn't learn the science of blue mind in high school either. Yeah, um, but if you were fortunate, you experienced blue mind uh, often. Yeah, as a, as a school kid, and uh, that's my hope with with these ideas, with these 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 words and phrases that that you know we can kind of describe and develop and then share that they become uh, common knowledge. So, I mean, my goal for Blue Mind is that it becomes common knowledge that seven point seven billion people understand and have access to their Blue Mind. That'd be phenomenal, you know, if. if uh, if every human understood this conversation and, and when they got some red mind going on that they wanted to limit and they felt like, Oh, this is going to lead to gray mine. They had that tool in their toolkit. They could say, I got to jump in the water. Time, get, for reset. <laughs> time for a reset. Yeah. And, and whether their water is literal water or, or metaphoric water, um, doesn't matter if it, if it works. Um, but as I think when we, when we don't have that, that tool, we resort to uh, devices and strategies that create bigger problems. So whether it's, you know, look at the, the epidemic of, of all kinds of addictions, destructive addictions. I think there are potentially good addictions as well, but the destructive addictions that tear us apart, that wreck our bodies, wreck our minds, wreck our relationships, our families, and ultimately our communities and our country. Uh, when we we self-medicate in ways that are um, destructive, that's what happens. Uh, we can self-medicate in ways that are, are regenerative, and I know that's what that's what your whole podcast really revolves around is is those those ways of of um, self-medicating. You know, before you end up uh, in the emergency room, uh, you know, you listen to a podcast and you learn, you read and you learn. You try things and you learn and you take care of yourself so that it isn't an expensive, uh, disastrous outcome. And I think Blue Mind is, is one of the tools, uh, like all the conversations you have on your podcast. You're, it's this collection of great, great tools that you offer your listeners. And I think Blue Mind is just one more uh, to throw in the toolbox right in there on the shelf. A damn good one. <laughs> it's a good one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and one that's available. We're a water planet, so it's... It's available to us, you know, wherever you are, even in the desert. So Blue Mind has informed my understanding of this idea of groove in a lot of ways. Um, Working with and for the ocean and its inhabitants informed Blue Mind. And, you know, one thing sort of leads leads to the next. And and, uh, it's a joy to to be on that path of discovery and, and, uh, curiosity and learning you know people like you people like kyle um the whole gang that gathered at kyle's house for dinner and all all the credible minds uh that that you interact with people you converse with um it's just it's a it's a kind of it's a cool time there's a there's a lot going on there's a lot of bubbling up of sort of ancient wisdom given an extra bit of oomph by modern science yeah you know that combination is 
is impeccable and so useful. Um, and I think disruptive and and um, in the way of the old some of the old paradigms. And there's a little friction there sometimes. Mm -hmm. the, the profit motive um, that exists to keep us all kind of medicated on some things that are not so good for us. Um, they don't want to give up too easily. Um, so yeah, I probably ex have experienced and had conversations about that kind of stuff. I haven't had any death threats about Blue Mind, but I know it is in, in conflict with with some other industries that would rather sell you their stuff than have you take jump. this pill the rest of your life. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have your Blue Mind. It's yeah, right here yeah, in a bottle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't, six, don't 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 sixty at a time at Walgreens. <laughs> yeah. Don't jump in that in that lake or don't you know go to that that float spa. You just come here and and and, and take take these pills. That'd be a fun ad though, like float spa in a bottle. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Serene and it's nothing but oceans and waterfalls and lakes. Yeah. Just shows uh it's got Mark Sissons on his stand-up paddleboard outside in Malibu yeah, just right. on, on the water. <laughs> you know, if you watch I, I I pay attention to uh to the advertising world. And if you watch, there are a lot of pharmaceutical ads that have blue mind imagery. So they might be selling a pill for psoriasis, but the imagery is people running down the beach, jumping in a pool. Or they're it's, pouring it, like pristine water into a glass. Yeah, yeah. You know? so the, the, the wellness uh, image of, of being near in on underwater is used to sell things that really don't have a lot to do with wellness. Uh, whether it's, you know, I mean, Corona, whatever you think about Corona beer, they, they built their brand on Blue Mind. Like it's all about, you, you, you see that logo and you think beautiful blue water, white sand beach, I'm there with my friends. Even though you might be popping that beer in a basement in Canada, in the dead of winter, <laughs> right? It's yeah. kind of like, you still get the, that little, that little feeling. Um, and that's, that's interesting. Uh, but you know, let's harness all all of the the actual goodness of of clean, healthy water uh, as a as a force for for healing for our bodies and our minds, for emotional healing, spiritual healing, as well as physical. You know, the workout side of it is is something that I think has a lot of potential, and you probably appreciate that uh, moving the whole whole workout scene into the water. I'll be uh, on Thursday going down to, uh, to train with Gabby Reese and Laird Hamilton. Oh, I think go. I'm going to miss Laird, but yeah, I've worked with XPT and, you know, they, Ryan's going to be down and my uh, podcast producer with me recording a lot of the underwater workouts. Oh, excellent. It's, it's just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it really it, is special. There's a guy up in uh, Oakland and you're going to be, I don't know if you, you're passing through Oakland this trip at all, but his name is Pianchi Gibson. I'm just gonna give him a shout out. And he, uh, people can look him up on Instagram, but he's, uh, um, former competitive swimmer, swam at Auburn, but now he's basically taken, you know, he trains some of the Oakland Raiders, but he trains, he has one client that's a, you know, a, a performer, a rapper who, uh, started out at 670 pounds, not too mobile on land, but when he gets in the water, he says, I feel like an angel and I've never felt like an angel. Is it land. E40? I'm trying to think right. of East Bay rappers. Yeah, right now, I can't remember his name. <laughs> I'll, find, I'll pull it up. Um, big guy, obviously, but he's shrinking because he's been moving and he's been moving because he gets in the water. He's doing, he's able to do, uh, you know, pull-ups and dips 
and jog on a treadmill in the water and do all kinds of movement that on land he was unable to achieve, but in the water, it gives him that support. And even to say, I mean, it's such a beautiful thing for, for a guy to say, I feel like an angel for the first time. I just think, imagine that, you know, it's reminds me of the kids that we work with, the at-risk youth, they get in the river with a wetsuit and a mask and a snorkel, and they say, I, f- I feel peace of mind for the first time in my life. Mm. Imagine having your whole childhood and never feeling peace of mind, how traumatic that would be. And then the gift of peace of mind by just putting on a, you know, wetsuit and mask and snorkel and getting a camera and getting into a river in Wisconsin. You know, it's like blue mind is everywhere. And it's, uh, these kids are now, you know, river warriors because the river gave them their life back. And uh, they're going to defend that river to the end. And so that's what you, you kind of see as these people are in different kinds of healing journeys or wellness journeys or self-improvement journeys. Um, the water helps and then you want to give back, help the water. That's when the groove starts right about there. It's when you get outside of yourself and it's the switch from me, the me perspective to the we perspective. And uh, it turns out water is the number one source of awe and wonder for humanity, for all of our history. And that when we feel awe and wonder, we, it builds our empathy and our compassion. Like neurologically, the sense of awe and wonder builds our empathy. And this generation could use a lot more empathy. And so water is one one place to go, you know, an empathy school. Uh, <laughs> you know, think about that when you're in Hawaii, yeah. you know, with, with Gabby and Laird and, and working out, you know, if that water gives you a, you know, a different sense of, of empathy and compassion that you might not feel on land as much. Um, yeah, cool stuff. Dude, it's been amazing <laughs> yeah. having you, brother. Yeah. So much good stuff. Yeah, thanks for coming over. Uh, where can people find you? Obviously, we'll link to uh, your book on the show notes and one yeah. link to your website. Yeah, my name, wallacejnichols.com is probably the starting point. And then that will branch out to all the various projects that, that I'm engaged in and, and uh, collaborating on. And um, any questions that pop up, I'm pretty easy to find. Just ping me and I'll I'll set you in the right direction to find the answer. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much, you. Wallace. Thank you. Yeah. Hell yeah, brother. It. It's been great. <laughs> really good. Thank you guys for tuning in the show with my man, Wallace J. Nichols. Head over to the show notes, click a link on his book, Blue Mind. It is fantastic. As always, check out onit.com slash Kyle for 10% off all supplements and food products. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Leave us a review, hit subscribe, and tell your friends, tell your mama all about me.